alcohol. It's hard to think of a social event in our culture that doesn't involve it. Brewery crawls, wine tours and tastings, birthdays, holidays, all served with drinks. There's work happy hour meetups, workplaces with beer on tap, and so much more. If you know me at all, you know I love my wine. I also enjoy beer, and I'm a huge fan of unique cocktails. I make lots at home, and I'm quite happy paying what may seem like obscene prices, $20 or $30 or more, for a great specialty cocktail. Honestly, alcohol has been a staple in my adult life. Our wedding included a wine tour. One of the coolest souvenirs I have is a bottle of wine from North Korea, which I will probably never drink. And we quite literally named our daughter Sonoma after the wine region in California. I'm probably one of the first people my friends think of when they think of someone to have a drink with. And as a result, I'm probably one of the last that they would expect to talk about a subject like sobriety and alcohol-free living. I start this episode with a humble acknowledgement that my life experience does not include an alcohol addiction, and I don't have anyone in my closest inner circle that does. I don't want to downplay the severity and the complexity of addiction. I'm certainly not a professional in addictions by any means. The topic of addiction is real, it's valid, and it's so important to discuss and continue to bring awareness and respectful treatment options that are accessible for everyone. If you're looking for resources on addictions, I put some for you in the show notes. In this episode, I'm joined by Meredith Garrison for discussion about alcohol-free living, sober curiosity, and mindful drinking. We're going to be talking about what I would call, kind of facetiously, our area of expertise, which is social drinking, Uh, the kind of drinking that many of us do on a daily or weekly basis. You know the kind, the stuff that the wine mom means are made of, and I was a cliche too. After going on my own health journey and exploring sobriety too, I coincidentally found out that my amazing friend Meredith is doing it as well. And I know that we're not the only ones who want to be more health conscious and are also curious about sobriety and creating a life and a culture of joy, fun, happiness, adventure, connection, all that without alcohol. So in this episode, we talk about why it can feel so hard to decline a drink and how we've gotten over this, uh, how intertwined alcohol is with our culture and what it looks like to start to change us in our personal lives and the wider culture. You're going to hear some of the surprising benefits of going sober and or just being sober curious. And we give suggestions, especially Meredith, on how to tackle some of the biggest challenges, you know, what to say to people, what else to do instead of drink and how to focus on presence without alcohol. We also talk about alcohol alternatives, and yes, there are links in the show notes for you as well. So whether you've woken up with a hangover one too many times, said the wrong thing too many times, whether you're interested in improving your health, sleep, or you're just curious about sobriety and what mindful drinking might look like in your life, listen in. And if you ever worry that it's not as much fun, you won't have as many friends, or you'll be the only one, or you're not going to be as social without alcohol, we hope this episode changes that and encourages you instead to lean right in. Welcome to the Golden Girls Podcast, where we believe you can have it all. I'm your host, Lisa Michaud, and I'm spilling tangible tips, goal-getting strategies, and real-life stories to inspire you to tackle your biggest dreams. You're a woman who knows you're made for more. Get ready to leave the excuses and self-doubt behind by being vulnerable, sharing your truth, and having honest conversations so you can succeed on your terms. Together, we'll set goals you'll actually achieve by staying motivated, having fun, and building a community of women empowering women. It's time to tap into your best self, get confident, and truly have it all. Golden Girl, let's dive in. Hello, Golden Girls. I'm here with Meredith Garrison, the founder of Hervana Collective. 
After a rewarding 10-year career in renewable energy, Meredith was ready to embark on her own venture. She wanted to create something that aligned with her values and interests and served to fill a gap that she had experienced. She founded Hervana Coworking Collective, the only woman-focused co-working community in Vancouver in 2007. They opened their physical location in July of 2018, and as you can probably guess, in March of 2020, they dropped the co-working so we could stay home, stay safe, and moved 100% online. Meredith's mission is to provide a platform for women to thrive, to build and to grow their businesses, to advance their careers and hone their leadership skills, or simply to find an encouraging and uplifting community. No longer limited to one physical location, Hervana Collective is expanding through Canada and beyond. I am so grateful to have you here with me today, Meredith. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here too. One small note in that, um, maybe it was a typo in what I had sent over, but we started the Hervana Collective the co-working space in 2017. So I'd love to have that extra 10 years behind me, but... Did I say 2007? I believe so. Oh my goodness. It's- okay. <laughs> All right. So we are talking about uh, Sober Curious Life, and I promise you I am <laughs> I am still sober. Um, but apparently I missed that. Okay, good. Thank you for that clarification. I appreciate that. Uh, Meredith and I are actually sitting here. We're sipping some Soul Brew alcohol-free elixir. Um, so we are enjoying a beverage here. It is alcohol-free, and you may hear our ice is clinking in the glasses. Um, but, you know, I think us sitting here a couple years ago would not have looked like us sitting here with, with alcohol-free elixir. So can you tell me and everyone listening a little bit about your relationship with alcohol, you know, two, three years ago? Two, three years ago, so we're talking 2019, 2020. That is when I really started to think about how much I was consuming met someone, a person who founded a company called Booze Witch, and they make shrubs and uh, syrups that, so it's non-alcoholic shrubs and and syrups that you would mix into mocktails. I mean, you could mix them into cocktails too, but um, the term Booze Witch is something that she came up with that for somebody who is sober curious like a mixologist like the kind of like a non-alcohol mixologist a booze wish somebody who creates non-alcoholic cocktails and so um, I met that person uh, through a Hervana event and she introduced me to her products I had been a little concerned with how much I was consuming or just like curious about like how much I was consuming and, and looking at how much other people were consuming to compare to how much I was consuming and just kind of starting to question that, whether it was normal, whether it was healthy, how long, starting to think about like how long I've been drinking. I think I probably had my first drink around like, I don't know, 15, 16, like, you know, started experimenting. Not like I started drinking really hard at that age, but, you know, I would have tried drinking at that point. And then I probably have been, you know, drinking since I was 18, 19, you know, illegally and then legally, you know, just to various degrees since then. So, you know, roughly 20 years, which feels like a long, long time to have something that is, has no real health benefits <laughs> to be a part of your life. So yeah, I had just started to question how much I was consuming and had met this person and then made a conscious choice at that point to, to try and swap out some of my regular drinks with this booze wish, this, these mocktails that I was making at home. How many times a week were you, would you say you were drinking and how often were, would you feel the negative impacts of that? So I'm going to 
start with the impacts question first. I'm a person who doesn't really get a hangover. Like I get tired, but I don't get like the hangovers that people really complain about. Like the worst that will happen is I'll get a headache the next day and I'll be tired, but I don't, I don't typically, I'm not getting sick in the morning. I'm not, you know, shaky or, you know, we have like cold sweat. I don't get like a bad hangover, I might have a minor headache that a, an ibuprofen can take care of. And really the worst thing that I experience is I'm really tired. I think there's other things that happen, like I have a little less tolerance and I'm a little bit, you know, crankier, but really it all kind of attributes to being more tired. Um, so those are the impacts that I have, but I also found that um, due to the frequency that they would kind of compound. So while I didn't have like a super sick next day, I did find that they like it would compound. So one day of tired would lead into the next day of tired would lead into the next day of tired. Um, as far as frequency, I was I would I would have a drink most days of the week, most days. Mm-hmm. You know, wine with dinner most days. Um, it was definitely like the exception to the rule was to be a day when I didn't have something yeah so very much what I think most of us would define in our culture in our minds as a social drinker would you say yeah Yeah. Yeah. and I feel like probably most people that I know most of my my friends most people in my circle probably have very similar drinking patterns to you and I would say mine were very similar too so yeah, and it's 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 interesting because it's a you know social drinking. When I say when or when I hear somebody say social drinker, you think like out, like out at parties, out for dinner with friends, etc. But um, being married, you always have a partner at dinner, right? So for for the most part, and so there's always somebody to socially drink with, which I think is really the turning point of like when I went from. Like when I lived as a single woman, I wasn't drinking at home alone or like just like nights in. And then when I was in a like a long term relationship, living with somebody, married to somebody, um, that like I think my drinking increased, um, and that was part of it. Is there's always there's always somebody to drink with, and my partner um, was a drinker also, and it was what was modeled for me. My parents would have wine at dinner and so it seemed it seemed very like very much normal and very much like what happy married life kind of looked like oh my gosh that's so interesting I've never thought about that but it's true I wonder too and in especially in certain places like Vancouver like the the roommate situation too right you're right that there's Mm. we think about like social being out but social in as well it's so interesting and yeah long-term relationships families roommate situations yeah super interesting so Let's be clear here. Uh, the last couple years have not been easy for you. So this isn't just like you had all this time in the world. You had nothing better to do than to evaluate your relationship with alcohol as, you know. And and you did this without really, I want to say, without having like any serious rock bottom moments. So you didn't have any kind of um, interventions or anything like that. This was just a, uh, this was a choice as part of your journey that you made. So can you paint a picture of what these last couple years have looked like for you outside of the alcohol uh, reduction? 
Yeah. So when you ask, like, what is what did it look like two, three years ago? Two or three years ago was there was basically a turning point, and rec- I recognize that's a span of a year. But when you said two to three years ago, there was a specific moment in my mind. Um, so two to three years ago, I was really contemplating my marriage and and ending my marriage, and it coincided with an uptick in the amount that I was drinking. And then as part of my my thought process of contemplating whether or not I wanted to end my marriage, I also thought, well, I should reduce the amount I'm drinking so that I can more clearly um, contemplate that and reflect on that and come to a decision. So that was in 2020. And then 2021, I discovered that my mom had dementia and it, and it was it was a process of discovery. I went and visited her uh, at Christmas time and things were clearly not right in the house. And so it kicked off uh, a, a process of trying to figure out what was going on because due to the illness that she had, she wasn't really able to help us to determine what was going on. And so figuring out what ha- what was going on there it took five, six months, and then we went through the process of realizing how severe it was and having to um, let her know what we had now found out, bring her to a realization, and then make a plan for what the future looked like for her, um, which included some things like, well, getting her out of living alone, so convincing her that she needed to leave her home, um, finding a new place for her to live, uh, convincing her that that it was going to be a good idea because uh, it was a move into a, an assisted living, and she's she's now seventy four, but at the time she you know and still she felt quite young and too young to be there, and she she is one of the youngest residents, so it was an adjustment for her as was this idea that her daughter was telling her what decisions she needed to make in life, including that she couldn't drive anymore and taking away her driver's license and her car. (laughs) So all kinds of really difficult decisions uh, and discussions and roles that I'd never experienced in my life and had never anticipated or expected to. So that took all of 2021. uh, And now we're halfway through 2022. And we're basically both of those things have now sorted the have been sorted out to a stable point they're no longer active sort of crisis um and they're stable points now but that's the last couple years so i know what happened with your marriage but i don't think you actually mentioned it oh oh yes no i'm in the process of getting a divorce (laughs) okay (laughs) um thanks for sharing that what about your business because i kind of mentioned it in the bio in your bio, we talk about taking Hervana from a physical co-working space to online, and it sounds very smooth and clean, but I mean... Right, right. So, I mean, who could forget? We also <laughs> had a pandemic in the last two to three years. Um, and so my business, which was a co-working space, the entire business model revolved around strangers having a desire to be in a room with each other for motivation, uh, community, encouragement, 
Um, and everything that was recommended as soon as the pandemic hit was the exact opposite of that. The self-isolation, the quarantine, don't go near people. You, and I mean, I don't think it was necessarily official, but don't go near people you don't know. That There was definitely, in my experience, a cultural belief like, if you were going to break the rules, you broke the rules with people you knew. That was okay, but you don't trust people you don't know because who knows where their hands and mouths have been and, and how you might catch uh, COVID. Um, so anyway, everything that I built my business around was now, for all intent and purposes, illegal in, in pandemic times. So my business uh, effectively just shut down without officially shutting down. And that happened in early 2020, as we all know. Um, and yeah, so I really was facing, I actually made a couple calls to see what was, what would be involved in bankrupting my company at the beginning of, of 2020. Um, so there was a real struggle there to keep the, it afloat and continue to pay the bills and I pay, you know, downtown Vancouver commercial rent. Um, so that was a whole third crisis that was happening in the background across both of those previous mentioned crisis, crises. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people, you know, post online. And, and I think our culture encourages this. So I, and I don't say this at all to, and uh, maybe we should have started with this, blame or shame or guilt anybody for any of their relationship with alcohol because we've certainly, I know I can speak for myself, have been have had unhealthy parts of my relationship with alcohol and and then also like put that on other people like pushing other people to drink so I, I just want to say I, I I'm guilty of anything that we are talking about in this episode and any of the growth that we talk about so that's but an it's an interesting point because um when I I started speaking with a counselor at the beginning of 2020 when I was deciding that I was really contemplating what I was going to I wanted to out of my marriage what I wanted to do like what I wanted from it and whether or not I wanted out of it. Um, and when I talked to her about that, I mentioned that I one of the things that I wanted to do was reduce my drinking significantly, like possibly just like stop. Um, and I found it really powerful what she said which was, why would you do that now? And my explanation was, well, I want a clear mind. I want to make sure that the decisions I'm making are, you know, from a clear point um, and not rash. I don't want to, you know, whatever decision I make here, I don't want to be able to look back and point at something else and say, you know, maybe it was that that made me think this. And I wanted to know for certainty that it was just all of me, like my sober, clean, whatever brain, um, having thoroughly thought through all all that I wanted to think through and come to a decision. And their point was like, yes, that makes a lot of sense and absolutely, but you are already going through many difficulties right now. And and at this point the pandemic was on. Um you're going through facing many difficulties. Like why would you take away one of the things that brings you some comfort? And she asked a couple more questions like like what what are the what are the outcomes from you drinking? Like, is it damaging your life? Or, like, is it disrupting um, your ability to work, to think? Like, is it disrupting your ability to maintain your house, take care of yourself, take care of, you know, your responsibilities, that sort of thing? Once we determined that, no, it wasn't, um, she encouraged me to 
consider whether or not it was really necessary or whether I was putting more pressure on myself at a time when I had enough pressure? That's a fair question. What, how did you know, no, it's okay, I, I can take on, in, in addition to a pandemic, my business essentially being unable to operate, divorce, and then what was soon to become uh, your, your mother getting sick. Like, what was it in the midst of all that to be like, you know what, I think I can do one more thing here. I mean, I, I definitely, it wasn't like a, from this day and then on, I, I just all of a sudden reduced the amount I was consuming. It definitely wavered. Um, the benefits outweighed the comfort I was receiving. And I, and so um, I wouldn't, I think it was kind of like an everyday or every week kind of a question like, and, and honestly, there, there was like, it was kind of like a daily question. Like I would hit a certain hour of the day and kind of think about do I feel like I can cope on my own or do I want a little bit like do I want to give myself a break here and just go ahead and you know have a have a glass of wine or something and just maybe I'm not going to cope today and tomorrow I will cope and then just like being a little bit more mindful of like how many days I'm doing that in a row um but that that was a question that I probably asked myself a lot of days and like on a on a recurring basis it definitely wasn't just like a okay now I'm gonna do this thing it was I'll do this thing today and I'll do this thing for like say a couple days in a row and there's definitely um a period of time where it's like well I'll just do two days where I'm not drinking two days in a row and then or like two days in a week or three days in a week and then it was two days in a row and then it was three days in a row and kind of like building up yeah so it's a process mm-hmm. and a decision you have to make every day almost mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, so interesting. So I've heard you say that the first step is really about assessing your relationship with alcohol and noticing why and when you drink. So what is the point that you started doing this? I mean, I heard I hear you say like you wanted a clear mind, but how does how does assessing your relationship with alcohol like where did that kind of intertwine with your journey? I mean, I started to think about like what it looked like for my parents, like how it was modeled for me. And, um, I also had this experience. So my father passed away a little over a decade ago and he was a social drinker as well. Um, drank wine with dinner most nights. I mean, I don't really remember exactly how often, but like frequently enough that it just felt like kind of all, like all the time. Um, you know, never, I never saw him really drunk but like you know it was just wine was part of our life so we we i grew up in in Kelowna in the okanagan which is a, a wine air region and so it's definitely part of like our our lifestyle and culture kind of thing um and i thought about my grandparents my mom's parents anyway um my grandparents would be like two fingers of whiskey with a, a bit of water or a splash of Coke, as my grandma used to say, just to just to give it a bit of color. Um, and so there's, you know, lots of drinking in that was modeled for me. Um, but my mom had always been the one that was pretty moderate. So she would have most nights at home, she would not drink, but um, not with dinner anyway, she would she would have her rum and Cokes and she would come home from work and have a rum and Coke and, um, have a bath and like kind of like decompress from the day um as occasionally as a child she would 
request that I like make her another rum and coke. So she would get in the she'd have a rum and coke, get in the bath, drink a rum and coke, decompress in the day. And then you know some days were harder than others, and so she'd ask me as a child. I, I don't remember exactly how old, but like you know old enough that I could do these things competently. But she'd ask me to make her a new one, and she'd tell me you know like how much to pour of of want of of the rum and how much to pour of like coke, and and I bring this in. I feel the need to kind of like put into context, like I grew up in the 80s. This is this was a normal thing. This was nobody would have looked looked twice at this or thought anything weird of that. Um, and so but for the most part, she was she was more moderate than my father was my like my father. I recall him drinking wine most nights at dinner um, and outside of those rum and cokes right after after work. My mom wouldn't drink any further. But my father passed away a little over a decade ago. And after that, my mother started drinking quite a bit more and and um, more frequently and more more consistently and just quantity also more. And um, that change I definitely noticed and didn't love. Um and I saw like some of those behaviors reflected in in what I was doing, like in in the frequency, because like, she she would she started drinking wine more, and then and so which was you know my preferred beverage, um, and and there's just some similarities, and I don't know, I feel like it's very common. Women just can't stand when we see our the behaviors of our mothers in ourselves, um, and so that really made me think about my relationship with alcohol because I had kind of a a weird mirror to kind of look into and yeah I think like a lot of women would would be able to relate to that like seeing ourselves or seeing our mothers reflected in ourselves and how that will force us to really evaluate who we are what we're doing that is so good so true it's interesting because my family is the exact opposite my parents like never drank um, my dad would have maybe a couple beers a, a year and it was always kind of a big deal in our house. He would make jokes about it. Like tonight was the night he's going to have a beer and my mom never drinks. She'll have like a little sip of something. I'll say this. My dad loves sugar and now that we've discovered ice wine or like a late harvest, my dad will drink a little glass of that, you know, at the holidays. But my mom, like I just never grew up with that. And for me, I almost feel like my journey's kind of been like I went from I, I guess what I want to say that's maybe consistent, and I, I think a lot of people can probably relate to this, I never saw a healthy relationship with alcohol. I saw no relationship with alcohol, and, but my parents didn't really choose it consciously. They were just always like very afraid or had a lot of like negative things to say about alcohol. Not to say that there, there, there are definitely negative things about alcohol, but they were always just horrified about it, and it was this huge block or wall that would go up whenever there was alcohol around or discussion of alcohol um, versus it being a conscious decision to to not engage with it. it I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I think that that for me was really interesting. I, I, at some point in the last two years for myself too, I think close uh, as well to when the pandemic hit and everything started to shut down and I was alone in Vancouver with Sonoma and Troy was away. I was like, okay, I'm the decision maker. I'm the one that has to keep not just myself, but my child alive and what's going on. And it's like, I need to have a clear mind for this. Um, and that I think shortly after that, I realized, wow, I actually have no idea what it looks like to consciously choose when to incorporate alcohol in my life, when not to, and, and do that from a place of 
love and kindness for myself and also appreciation for some of the positive parts of alcohol, but just being intentional about it. I'd never seen that. And I think, I think that's something that's coming new to our culture because I think a lot of the previous generation either did or didn't do it out of habit, out of what was modeled for them, out of, out of the culture, right? Because we all just kind of churn in our culture and don't stop to question things very often. So I'm really grateful for this conversation when we are actually stopping to que- and questioning and doing this. And I'm grateful to have you as a friend that's on this journey too. It's really special. So I'm curious, uh, you mentioned clarity of mind, maybe a couple less headaches. What else do you see as the benefits in your life, in the way you show up in the world and in all aspects of not consuming alcohol? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. (laughs) Um, I mean, just like the, you know, the impacts of drinking compounded, I find the impacts of not drinking or the benefits of not drinking also compound. So one of the things that I discovered, because I kind of thought, you know, like you take a day off and great, now you don't have a hangover. But if you take like three days off, five days off, a week off, a couple weeks off, um, there's all kinds of things that come out of that, like clearer skin. <laughs> um, like, I mean, I I dropped a little bit of weight. Um, like, I'm, I'm going to start with the vein stuff. Go Clear, for it. Clearer skin. <laughs> really, like just nicer complexion, like a, like a more vibrant complexion and like less like congestion in your skin. Um I randomly, I find the whites of my eyes are way whiter when I don't drink. Okay. I have not necessarily looked or noticed okay, that. Okay, pay attention now. So but you now I will. See it too. Let me know. Um, and like joints, I now notice like if I if I have a night where I, I drink a lot of wine, like my joints in my hands, sometimes my knees will be achy afterwards so that I, I do, it's just something that I, I never like really noticed when I was drinking more regularly, but now I will notice if I have a, a, a like a bigger drinking night. So just like body, your body feels, feels better. I mean, I had, when I was, I, there was a period of time in like 2021 while I was dealing with my mom where I was drinking quite regularly. Um, and like, I will look back at pictures and my face is puffy. Like, so there's all kinds of like vanity stuff, but like, uh, just your body feeling better. And, you know, the next day, uh, like, or day after when you don't drink the clarity of mind, it gets clearer and clearer. The more, the longer you, you, you abstain, um, memory, you're able to just remember things better. Um, not just like, like obviously alcohol impacts your memory like when you are drinking, but when you've not been drinking for numerous days, I find like my, my mind just got sharper and sharper um, in a way that I really hadn't like noticed had gone. But like now, I, just, I don't know. I thought I maybe it was just like age. You're just, you know, a little bit more forgetful and like you have more on your mind. And so your ability to to deal with stressors and complexity of life um increases when when you're not drinking i mean there there's a lot that is a lot i love how you say that it compounded that's that's a very that's a really cool way to describe it yeah i would find too uh we spend a lot less money there's also that <laughs> yes uh, like i really 100 percent do that. notice that i think before i don't know what the number is but we would spend a uh, hundred or two hundred dollars probably almost a month at the liquor store 
And I just went last week, and that was the first time I'd been since December. And granted, I I still have wine. Like I have I have wine racks, and and we have liquor at home. But we still, even though we had stuff at home, like we would still consume enough of the kind of like day to day stuff that I would need to go to the liquor store. And it, now it's August. It's been like seven or eight months, nine months, like such a long time. And I'm like, wow, where'd all that money go? That's another question for another day. But yeah, I definitely noticed. Yeah, that. and and going out for dinners, going out for meals. I mean, just the even, difference in your bill. Yeah, huge, definitely. I will say one because. It's it's being like sober cure or something. I'm 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 incorporating more sober days into my life, um, but I'm not going sober. Like that's not exactly that's not my goal at this time. Um, and I still really enjoy wine. And so, one of the benefits for me is that now when I want when I want to have a bottle of wine, I will happily go out and spend. 30 or 50 dollars on a nicer bottle of wine because it happens once in a while rather than so frequently um and there's definitely a time when i was you know going to when i would be going and buying wine and and i'd have like a spending limit like i wouldn't want to buy like a bottle of wine over like 25 bucks and like if i could find a bottle of wine or 20 bucks i was like great and then like i like remember that wine and go back to that you know like good like a decent bottle of wine and it's under 20 bucks like and now like I just I don't have the guilt if I want to if I want to buy a $35 bottle of wine because I want a nice bottle of wine I'll happily buy that $35 bottle of wine I get to enjoy a nicer experience because I'm not doing it every day yeah so good that's so true yeah I think uh less guilt around like really enjoying it I'll just give you context we we get bottle of wine. We get wine made at like a Hebrew, and it's like our cheap wine. I don't. It's roughly like six or seven dollars a bottle, which is quite a savings. And I, in the past, have used it for sangria and that sort of thing. But also, it's been like our like after we've had the nice bottle of wine or two nice bottles of wine, then we pull out this stuff, and it's so interesting. Like just even saying that out loud is kind of mildly embarrassing to be like, wow, I there was wine that I drank and consumed and I I did it the other night for the first time in like two years probably um where it's like I drink it and I don't even taste it and I there's something really to be said I think about like not going down that path in terms of you know cost and health and 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 just presence and you know what I mean like being able to pick the wine that I actually want to drink or the cocktail that I actually want to drink and really love it and enjoy it and savor it as opposed to just being like, how many do I have to drink until I don't even taste this or remember this anymore? So I, I love that you said that. I don't know if you can relate to this too, but I also feel like, you know, you talked about like clarity of mind. I also feel like clarity and connection to soul or like spirituality or my, and my intuition, I would say as well. Like, I feel like it's just kind of clarity all around. It feels like, like I mean, alcohol is a number, right? So it feel it kind of shuts down. I'm using the word channel here, like shuts down some of those channels or some of that knowledge accessing. Um, And I found it in my brain, but I also find it in my intuition and and my ability. Like my intuition is getting so much better. Maybe I'm trusting it more. I don't know. Maybe that that connection just feels much stronger than it does when I have alcohol. Like when I have alcohol, it feels like I I have no idea what I really want. And uh, removing that gives me that clarity. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that I've really analyzed or spent any time really reflecting on that. 
I mean, definitely well, now like you can look at the whites of your eyes and your yeah. soul. <laughs> I mean, definitely like it, like as far as like it after like have or like having a period of of like not drinking, whether that sharpens my intuition or not. But I mean, definitely like if side by side comparison on a day that I like say I'm, I'm drinking, like absolutely, I do not trust <laughs> my intuition. Like there's rules, no texting, like. don't make big decisions like um you know i and and maybe that is also a change in how how i consume now um when it was much more part of my life it was part of my life so i would go about my every day and then you know come a certain time day then i was just going about my day well getting tipsy um so whether that involved having conversations with partners or family members um responding to like late evening emails or text messages like i would just do that regardless of if i've had one glass of wine or three or four um and now when i choose to drink um there's absolutely no responding to emails. There's no having deep conversations with um, friends, family members, or you know, partners. Or I mean, I'm like I'm still having those. Like I'm still having conversations, but I'm not having conversations with the the goal of like making decisions. Like mm-hmm. no like discussions with like some kind of outcome in mind. Um, you know, sometimes you do have deep discussions while drinking and there's like some things that, you know, you discover and you're willing to talk about while drinking that, you know, that you wouldn't um, sober, but, but there, I'm not having those discussions with the idea that we're going to make decisions or like something's going to change out of them. They're like just, they're discussions that are just occurring because they're occurring. Um, More for entertainment. Yeah. 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 And enjoyment versus. Yeah. Utilitarian because you're. Yeah. I still have to live life when you're drinking. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, no texting. and Get some good rules. If anybody's also wanting to be sober curious, I hope you're picking this up. No texting, no emails. Any other rules? Uh, well, I mean, it's also amazing the fights that you don't have when you don't drink. Oh, yeah, no, so, deep, no deep decisions. No deep decisions and don't 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 try and solve problems while drinking. It's Very kind good. of like one of my rules. Like, that's not, that's not what we're doing. At, at this point, I think um, – Drinking, it, it like it. I view it as more of a like a numbing effect. Like, if I choose to, then I'm also choosing to do nothing. So when I decide like I'm gonna I'm gonna have some wine tonight, I will often look at my calendar and say like, look at what do I have tomorrow? Which I guess is a very normal like behavior for a lot of people but it wasn't for me but I will now look at my calendar and go what's tomorrow can I afford to be tired tomorrow can I afford to be not out like a hundred percent tomorrow yes okay great and and like what what do I want out of this like is it because I I've been stressed lately and I just want to not feel that stress fine great but is it because I've been stressed today and I want to like I want to solve something and I because in the past, I, I would think that drinking would somehow solve it. But now I'm kind of like, well, sure, I'll drink to you. I'll have some wine to enjoy and forget things or like put not necessarily forget, but just put them into like a corner in my mind. And and it's not I'm not worried about being tired the next day. Like I will happily 
you know, enjoy some wine to have a, a distraction and an enjoyment, knowing that I will, my goal for the, the, that time is to do absolutely nothing. Like it's, yeah, I don't, I, like I can't, I can't have one and the other and also want to accomplish anything. Um, I have to be ready for apathy for the next couple hours. That's, you know, like as long as that I can have room for apathy for the next couple hours, then I can have room to have some wine if I want. I hear, I love what you're describing. It feels like the rules for mindful drinking. It feels like about being intentional, right? Like looking ahead. And I think it's so interesting how maybe, maybe some people have been doing this all along, but I bet you a lot of people haven't. How, talk to me about like, the culture and friendships and relationships like because I don't know about you but I, I sense a lot of people don't question these things like a lot like people don't look at their calendars people don't question each other's drinking habits people don't we don't and therefore we don't question our own what do you think that says about our culture and what do you what do you see kind of in a larger larger picture there yeah I mean I think there's definitely like a like a, a wine culture and like there's I mean you can look at all the memes there's always like memes of giant glasses of wine and like wine ma and like all the little cups it's like mommy's little helper or mm-hmm. whatever that is oh my gosh mommy wine culture is real yeah yeah and I've been a part of it for sure and and so I think entrepreneurship too yeah well yeah like it's just business in general like in in professional situations um like networking there's always booze involved um i think that as we grow up and into responsibility and those you know we all uh, like accumulate more and more responsibilities and um over time you know you no longer have the innocence of youth um things happen in your life like hard things happen in everybody's lives and not at the same time, but kind of as you and your cohort or for me, as me and like my circle of friends and family kind of grew up, um, started like having children, getting married, other, you know, having ailing parents or, you know, started businesses that were successful or not successful. These things kind of like pile up, those responsibilities, those worries. Um, and then we seek out and maybe chase sometimes that were a little bit simpler and so you make these little dates like oh we're gonna meet up and we're gonna have a wine night and then you kind of drink to excess but you're still having or at least I was still having wine every night this was just a special occasion to have wine with other people and more of it um and no yeah nobody really questioned like I I would we would like kind of do like do wine night maths. And so everybody has to bring their own, like bring a bottle. So then if there's three of us, then now there's three bottles. Like nobody would bat an eye if we made our way through those um, or more. Um, it, yeah. There's always kind of like, there'd always just been a little bit of a, it's fine. Like this is normal. We're, we're all doing it. Like if we have this wine night together and we drank three bottles of wine, and there's three of us or four bottles of wine. And there's three of us. Then what's the difference if I drink one bottle of wine and it's just me um, on another day? Uh, it kind of makes it OK to like the, the quantity. To, it makes that OK at other times. Does that make sense? I feel like I. Yeah. Yeah. 
It does. It does. I, we, we normalize it. The amount, yeah. mm. the frequency, and if you do it, then I can do it. If I can do it, then you can do it. It's almost like we kind of spiral together, if you will, in our culture around it. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, you know, we've talked we've talked a lot about like coping, and actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one thing too that we haven't touched on, but I do think it's real, and I think it's alcohol does have some benefits. You know, alcohol we talked about it numbing and kind of quieting the day. One of the other things, and I read a really great article I think a couple weeks ago talking about it as well, that alcohol does serve a purpose around like social lubrication and just making social interactions easier, giving people a little bit more confidence um, and, and that piece as well. So I think. I think that's one that I like. I don't want to understate because I think that that is an interesting piece there. Um, and I, I, I'm not saying that to say, oh, well, like if you want to have fun, you have, you have. Oh yeah. So it's not about saying you have to have alcohol to have fun, or you have to have alcohol to hold to make new friends, or to be outgoing, or to feel confident, or any of those things. Um, but to say that, like I know I, you said, like there's some days where you're like, you know what, it's okay to have a glass of wine and kind of put that problem in a box over there. Um, I have found that there are times for myself where I'm like, I'm gonna have it this glass of wine to just like get into this group of people and just like relax a little bit more into it. Not to say that I do that every time because then I I have to start looking at how do I actually build confidence then if I'm really that uncomfortable or how do I, um, how do I connect with people without alcohol? All these great questions that are important to ask in in terms of mindful drinking and, and just mindfulness in general. But, um, that is one that I I do think it is like, it can also really help you have fun. Uh, Yeah. So that is actually one of the benefits of not drinking that I think I just overlooked and is probably the most impactful for me um, and the biggest flip or switch that was flipped. Um, I I now crave opportunities to be out and without drinking. Like if I – like I no longer – um, rely on booze for like to deal with nerves, um, and I don't know what happened or how it happened, but I've kind of just mastered. Well, don't want to, don't want to jinx it. Um, knock, on feel, wood, knock on wood. Yeah, I feel that um, I've, for the time being, mastered social social outings without booze and it's definitely not to say that it doesn't still feel awkward to be the one that's not drinking um but i'd no longer like get the nerves to walk into a room start talking to people uh without you know a glass in hand um i've started dating and like it's as like nerve-wracking as that can be i still most most times first dates are for me are no drinking or at least no drinking for the first like couple hours um and then I might choose to have a, a drink, you know, after, after a while, or like kind of getting to to know the lay of the land, or like understand who I'm out with, and and feel comfortable, and then decide yes, I do like that is something that I I kind of want. Um, okay, so tell me some of these tips because I'm like these I think are things that people would find very challenging, um, and maybe you have other challenges too. But like off the top of my head, I'm like okay. S- biggest challenges people have like how do I how do I go to a networking event how do I make connections with, with friends how do I um how do I date how do I go on a first date like isn't it going to be awkward am I going to be nervous um I don't know what, what other oh one of the things that I find this is kind of sounds kind of funny but um 
it was when I was pregnant, I was uh, found myself at a party and I was like very visibly pregnant, like eight, nine months, like up there. And they had a dance floor and I remember dancing and realizing, oh my gosh, I can't like, even though like I'm just, I just love to dance. But in the past, I'd always like kind of had a drink in my hand so that if I ever did a really weird move, then I could always just be like, oh, I must have just had too much to drink. It was kind of my crutch. I could hide behind it. But when I was eight, nine months pregnant, it is much worse to be really drunk at that point than it is to just have a bad dance move. And I just realized like how much I hid behind alcohol being like, oh, that was why I did that kind of silly, funny thing that actually was me. But it was, I always had alcohol as excuse if I was being overly silly. Whereas I lost that kind of, I lost that excuse. I lost that mask to hide behind. Yeah, I mean, I still can't dance without drinking. That That is still a thing. <laughs> I did it this morning after a cold plunge, and it was super fun. Okay, fun. You I should mean, come with me next time. I, I will dance at home alone. No problem. Sober. Fine. Uh, dancing in public, I have not yet accomplished doing that without beverages. Okay, well, I will help you dance, and you can help me talk to people. <laughs> and we'll figure, we'll figure this out. I mean, uh, it's definitely – like it, it's absolutely awkward, it was, and it's – you know, working through the discomfort. And I think if anything like that, I guess that's the benefit is that I became, I became more comfortable with being uncomfortable. And then once you've experienced being uncomfortable and moved through it, like in those situations and you just, it just becomes easier to keep doing. So what suggestions and ideas do you have? You've shared a couple of them, but for navigating these, these things, I'm, I'm thinking like friendships, dating maybe in particular and like those kind of real social outings how do you navigate perhaps being the only one sober or having been the person that is always the one drinking to now not like how do you navigate that Mm, yeah what ideas or suggestions do you have for others I mean hopefully you've got people I mean like I had really great people in my life because I was going through so much um I kind of had that moment where you filter through your friends and and the people that I was associating with or like spending time with um, were all great people who really just had my best, you know, self in mind and our intentions. And so if I didn't want to drink, nobody was forcing that on me. And that would have been different if it had been, say, five years ago. Um, if I had showed up somewhere and said, you know, I don't, I don't want to drink, um, I definitely would have faced a lot more pushback um I think there's a lot of projection too yeah that's a lot of like I don't want to look at my bad drinking habits because we probably all know we have or a lot of us know we have them but don't want to face them and so I don't want you to look at yours because you're highlighting mine kind of what we were talking about that reflection right yeah Um, you were talking about it with mothers but it happens with all of us um so yeah I, I can relate I think that's that's a I think that'd be a, probably a pretty common thing that people might experience. So I'm great. That's really awesome that you didn't. Yeah. And so I think in like where I am now, you know, I'm at the time I was really very selective with who I was spending time with just because I was, I had so much on my mind that I really didn't have a lot of energy for anybody that was, wasn't going to see where you were. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. I just, I needed, I really needed to be around people who, one sort of knew what was going on with me so that they could have a little just be a little bit give me a little bit more grace I just required a lot of grace at that time I didn't I just didn't have a lot of bandwidth or like brain um capacity to 
to deal with superficial conversations, superficial interactions, to be overly, I didn't have a lot of grace to give other people. So um, I really needed people who, who knew what I was going, what was going on with me. So I, I didn't have to extend, like use the, the very limited amount of energy that I had left um, for, you know, just general society, like socially being polite or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so where I am now, you know, I have a bit of a wider group of people that I'm spending time with. I've, you know, reincorporated some of some of my friendships that had been a little bit more superficial or a little bit more um, less deep, which I guess is the same thing, but um, back into my life and I'm spending time with people, you know, who, who I mean, everybody is everybody was going through things. Um, and so but I now have more capacity to give other people grace. So now um, I'm a little bit more selective about where I'm going. And so if, if it's, you know, like if it's going out, people are going out to a bar or a restaurant that I know it's going to be like a lot of drinking, like I might not do that. And um, like, so like dancing. So like outdoor concerts, I'm kind of a no on outdoor concerts because I know that like, and if I don't want to drink, I'm like, I know that I, I don't feel comfortable dancing sober. And so if I don't want to drink, I'm kind of, I'm, that's going to make me feel really uncomfortable. And I also really don't like being really hate being the person who is like not fun I hate feeling like the wet blanket um so I'll avoid situations where I think I might I might feel like the one that's just not and I, and I do like look for opportunities where there there it will be either with people who will be more understanding of not drinking or it's like whatever the circumstance is the activity where it's not um drinking isn't the focus. So I started looking for things where there's, there's more to do than just eat and drink. So, and I've seen you lead a lot of these things too, within Hervana and just in your life. Like what are some of the fun things that you've done that don't involve alcohol that you maybe wouldn't have done before? Hmm. I mean, uh, well, the change in lifestyle has been quite, quite drastic. Cause I mean, there was definitely a time where like I only did activities that would allow me to also drink so like I would I would per- make a point of not like I would only go places where that I were accessible by our like public transit because we have a great like sky train system here um so I definitely wasn't like going out to so one is one example is things that I didn't do was there was like a in the fall there's like a corn maze or like a Halloween like haunted maze kind of thing that it's a good hour's drive out of town um, I think it's in Langley or something like that. And I wanted to go, but I, it was counterbalanced by the fact that I would have to drive for an hour, which means that I couldn't have any drinks while I was out there and then drive back for an hour. Um, and I, ultimately in that instance, I, I chose not to go. I'm like, it's too much of a hassle to get out there. And I don't think I'm going to have as much fun because I'm not gonna be able to drink. I'm gonna have to drive. I'm not gonna be able to drink. So, you know, like you kind of like have that, that argument with yourself. And then I decided not to go. And I kind of, I don't know, I regretted it, but also not enough just to go the next time. Like I stuck with that decision. You know, that, that was an event that goes on for a couple weeks or a few weekends in a row. And I made a decision that it wasn't worth it because it was going to be not as fun if I wasn't drinking. And so then I just continued to be okay with that. Like as much as I regretted it 
or kind of like had FOMO, I wish I had gone. Uh, I still didn't wish that enough to change my mind and then do it because I had multiple opportunities to do it later. Um, so now like it's, it's so quite drastically different. Um, like now I will happily drive places and I very rarely drove previously. I mean, part of that was being a part of a couple, um, you kind of just fall into some roles. Um, and I just didn't drive as much, but now I have more happily like drive to things. And I'm, I mean, it's such a nice thing to be able to leave an event and just get in your car and go home versus having to wait for an Uber or find, get to the sky train or, you know, figure out how you're going to get home from things because you know that you wanted to have a couple drinks. And so I find life to be a lot simpler now to be able to just get out of there, get home back where you're, you know, like in the comfort of your own home and into your bed and at the end of something. But your question was, what are the things that I do? <laughs> I mean, I think that I participate in a lot more now. I'm a lot more active um, because I, it's not restricted by whether or not I could drive or not. I'm um, so I'm more willing to like go out, drive to places, go out to places like a corn maze out in, out in Langley or, you know, wherever. Um, and and not be worried about whether or not booze is going to be going to be available there or not. Um, We've done paddleboarding. Yeah, paddleboarding. Fal- what was it? Falconing. Oh, we went falconing. Yes, I mean that. Yeah, okay, that's like a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, mushroom foraging and photo taking. Mushroom foraging. Um, what else? Really have we cool, done? cool we have, things. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I mean, you, even when you asked me for today, I, yeah, <laughs> can you share that? What did you What did you ask me for when you came to my uh, house? Well, because so you know, like back on that that topic of of dating, because um, it's very different dating without drinking, and it and it was definitely it was definitely an adjustment. I mean, I don't know how I survived the first go around. So being, you know let's say you start dating like as an adult in your 20s like in college like it was nothing but alcohol and I almost you know as far as like relations (laughs) excuse me are we talking about relations relations are we going there relations are we going there Um, all right let's go I mean like I don't think I don't think it prior to being like 20 years old like after like the first couple times I don't think I had sex sober hardly ever for the first time like um with somebody do you know what I mean like your first encounter with somebody was I was almost always at least a little bit drunk like I don't know how I survived dating before I was married um when I look back on it like there were so many just questionable decisions like putting myself in questionable circumstance um like the amount of drinking that I did on dates like I am just lucky to have gotten out of there unscathed. Um, some of the stories that you hear now, yeah, I just look back on that and, and count count my blessings. I was very just very lucky, um, and so and let's also just yes, yes, and also we sh- yeah, men also need to not take advantage of the situation. So both of those things are are true. Yeah. So I mean, I think part of it is also like. You know, I, I, I had been married or, or in that relationship for about 10 years. So you grow up a lot and then you're, you hear, like, and we hear these stories a lot more now too, like just the accessibility to like, like just with internet and this, the things that 
that make it to the news and the stories that you hear. Um, so it's much more like we've all heard more of these stories. And as you get older, you start to, I think, or at least I do, become more careful and recognize that these things can happen to you. They're not just things that happen to other people. And so you become a little, or I become, a, I became a lot more careful. And so, you know, having been out of the dating scene for well over a decade um, and then getting back into it and on top of the fact that, you know, so being uncomfortable and new to, new to it again, um, on top of like just having this knowledge and awareness of these bad things that happened in the world and knowing that like you are not immune to it. Um, I just, I wanted to date with like, I, I just did not want to be drunk while dating. Um, I, yeah, just was a lot more responsible for my own self. So it was, it, it has been really weird. Um, I, I actually, I seek out people who, because apps, I don't, I, I you may not know because you, you've been married for some time as well, but in dating apps now, um, you can put in like how much you drink. Like if you're like a social drinker, if you never drink, if you drink a lot or like, I don't think they say I drink a lot. I think the options are, you know, like never drink, socially drink or like frequently just drink. Like it, it's just like just a person who drinks. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what the, the language it is, but it just says like you, you kind of have those options. And so I will definitely consider that one if, if I'm looking at profiles and, and deciding to swipe right or left um it will i will i'll take that into consideration if if it says that they are just social or they don't like that like if they don't drink that's a plus i'm there for that um nothing gives me more relief than knowing that i'm going on a date with somebody who doesn't drink and i don't have to drink and like great we can we can just have like a normal conversation and not that it's not okay normal was the wrong word there we can have just a, a sober conversation where everybody means everything that they say. Mm. Like that there is something so nice about that. Um, that any, like the conversation that I had, like in this very awkward situation of meeting somebody for the first time that like, I will feel comfortable with every word that's coming out of my mouth and that I can count on every word that's coming out of their mouths to be as like well-intentioned as, as I judge them to be. Um, I had an interesting experience where I, I went on a date and I, 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 we, we were like, we, we did go to a, like out for a drink. Like that was the date was going for a drink. So I knew that I was going to have some drinks, but I also knew that I didn't want to have a lot. So I ordered one and just kind of, I think it was a cider. I drank the cider very, very slowly. And the person I was out with had probably three drinks in the span of my one. Um, and then we decided to go to the next place. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll have one more, you know, at the next place ordered one. And again, kind of like same thing. They had about three drinks to my one. I watched this man get drunk sitting across from me. I also watched how based on his actions and reactions that I was becoming much more attractive to him. Like he was finding me more attractive as the night went on as he was drinking um and it was such an eye-opener for me because like I just I had never been on a date where I was sober and the other person was not and I mean if we're gonna like qualify sober like I was I mean I'd had two drinks but I was like 
mostly, you know, as close in my mind was mostly as clear, as, about as clear as, you know, as, as it is when it's completely sober. Um, and I, I just never been on a date where the other person was much more drunk. And I'm sure that I have been on a date where I was more drunk, positive that that happened in my twenties. Um, I've never been on the other end of that. And that was the first time. And it, it just like, of course, like projection, right? I just sat there, thought about all of the times where I had been the drunk person on a date. Um, and I just came to that decision at that moment. I'm like, Ooh, I'm, I'm never doing that again. Like, I don't like that is not who I want to be. I also like seeing the way that like the difference in how he, um, viewed me, I realized that like he probably like if I were to meet him again, like or go out with him again, then the next time he he probably wouldn't like it would probably go the same way. Like he'd have that same level of like, you know, kind of like we didn't really hit it off at, at the beginning. Like it was a little bit slow. Um, but by the end of the night, he was fully like enjoying this, you know, conversation or whatever it was like. Um, and so I think if we would gone on a second, on a second date, I'm pretty sure that we would have shown up and he would have still been as ambivalent at the beginning as he was on the first and likewise. Um, and so that, that affection that I think he, he found after his like four or five, six strengths, um, it was false. Like it wasn't, it, it was definitely influenced by the alcohol and, and I just didn't, I didn't want to have that cloud my judgment and me think that I was attracted to somebody that I really wasn't. And it was just because booze made me less having, have a less critical eye or like have that apathy kind of thing. I mean, that's like your life partner is such a huge choice. So that's really interesting. I'm like definitely thinking back to our first dates. (laughs) (laughs) but i think i think we were i think ours there was a lot of sober a lot of sober time but i can totally see how that makes a big difference so what about uh sober relations oh right relations (laughs) um yeah no i also like that was also something that you know doing that for the first time after being uh married and in a long-term relationship for over a decade um I mean, there's a vulnerability there. There's all kinds of... Were you nervous? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very much so. Um, and self-conscious, like self-conscious about like my body. Like the last time I was single and dating, I was like 27, 28. And I'm going to go ahead and say that I was a hot young thing. Um, <laughs> you know, like with a hot young body. And going into that again, at like, like 10 years later... Um, you know, your body, you age, your body changes and yeah, being really self-conscious about being naked in front of somebody else. And, um, but those same things of like, you've heard stories, you have to be like, I just, I just felt the need to be more careful. Like I just did not want to be drunk for it. Like there was definitely, there's thoughts of like, well, I could get drunk and then like get this over with, but I really just didn't want that for like all of the reasons that I said about like not wanting to, to drink while dating same thing I don't I didn't want that um sleeping with somebody and so um walking away being like that was the best ever but really 
It was right. the cocktails. <laughs> the cocktails. And not that cocktail. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I okay. Yeah. I'll share it. Um, so, like, I specifically chose somebody who did not drink um, to be the first person that I myself with. And so that we would both be sober. Because, again, I didn't want that experience of... <laughs> one person being much more drunk than the other um so but yeah so that we would both be sober and that I would feel safe and that um everything that I did I would would have done like intentionally and would have like meant it so that, yeah but it was nerve-wracking um before during after before Four. Okay, really getting into it. Before, it was definitely nerve-wracking, like, thinking about it, like, kind of, like, knowing that it was coming because, like, I'd been on some dates with this person and um, we kind of got to the point where, like, that like that was going to was gonna happen. Um, so it wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, a like a one-night stand situation. It, it, it was somebody that I had gotten to know a little bit, um, but still, like, super nerve-wracking and... Yeah, before and then, like, kind of once, like, like once we had like were in the same place and like had had like conversation and like got kind of comfortable. Like, it's then it became just more like dating jitters rather than like nerve wracking. And so, you know, once you're you've like once I made the choice that like this was going to be an evening where I wasn't drinking and that like this is kind of what was going to happen. Um, it all kind of flowed pretty naturally, but there's like the lead up, the like waiting, like until like the time that we were going to meet and like getting there and that kind of stuff was, yeah, absolutely nerve wracking. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you giving me dagger eyes? I think no, <laughs> no, no. Um, the reason why I kind of like just prodded in there, just I think it's interesting to hear how much our minds play games on us and like we're nervous about what is going to happen or what might happen in the future. And what I think alcohol sometimes pull, like pull us out of that. Um, but it doesn't pull us into the present moment either. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, what I think is really interesting about what you said, it's like, I was nervous before, but once I was there, just, it flowed. And if you had drank, maybe you wouldn't have been nervous before, the flow also would have been different too, right? Yeah. So I was just curious, like, at what point that, that kind of got easier? Because I'm sure there's somebody else out there, whether it's relations <laughs> or a first date or going to family dinner at Christmas and saying no to the wine and not feeling comfortable with that. There's, like, whatever that moment is. Or going to, you know, work happy hour and being the only one not drinking. And, um, and I think as women, too, I think there's another layer in here that we haven't talked about, but if you're somebody who has drank in the past, as soon as you stop drinking, then people are like, are you pregnant? Because it's like the only possible comprehensive reason in the whole world why someone would decide to stop drinking. Um, So anyways, I I guess I just, there's going to be somebody else listening to this that's going to be feeling nervous about that situation. And I think it's really helpful to hear when that goes, when that goes away or how you navigate that. Yeah. I, I was thankfully spared that. Are you pregnant? Um, question because I had separated like for the most part when I was you know, yeah doing going through this I, I was in the process of separating from my husband so um or I had separated from my husband so 
that wasn't a question that people were willing to ask me. They might have thought it, but they weren't willing to ask. <laughs> so do you generally – this is very tactical. Do you generally have these conversations with people before, like whether it's friends or dates? Do you have that conversation before you meet them to say, hey, I'm not going to be drinking? Like how did, how did you navigate that? I'm, I'm trying to think about the person yeah. that's sitting there that is maybe where – where you were a couple years ago trying – hearing and listening and thinking, wow, I want to kind of reevaluate my relationship. I want to be more sober curious. I want to be more mindful about my drinking. When do you actually have those conversations? Do you do it like when you walk in and someone passes you a glass of wine or are you doing that beforehand? How are you How are you navigating those? With friends, when I go out with friends, I'll, I'll often – like we'll have a conversation. Like now we'll have a conversation where like they might ask me, they're like, "Are oh, you thinking you're drinking today or, or not drinking?" Kind of thing, um, and then they might make a decision to either to or not not to drink based on what I say. I feel like we've had those conversations. We have definitely had yeah. those conversations. Yeah, and I appreciate um, those very much. Yeah, and but yeah, so with friends, I'll let them know in advance. Like, so maybe if I'm doing like the asking, if if I'm asking somebody to go for dinner or go do some activity, um, I might I might say like, "Hey." Hey, do you want to grab dinner on whatever day? Um, and they'll, I, I don't know, like the, the order in which it happens, but like maybe they'll say like yes or no, and I'll say yep, yeah, but like I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm gonna drink tonight, kind of thing. So it might not happen during the planning, but like on the day of, I might message them and or like we'll communicate and say, oh yeah, so we're meeting at this time at this restaurant, or do you want me to pick you up or whatever, you know, whatever those. Um, <laughs> I'm just dropping stuff all over the place. Sorry. Whatever that. Um, My wedding ring. <laughs> whatever, whatever that, you know, that kind of looks like. And I might say at that point, I'm like, I don't think I'm going to drink tonight. Uh, but, you know, like, obviously you do what you want to do. But just as an FYI, I, I typically will let people know in advance. And I think that's more for me than it is for them. I think it's kind of a bit of an accountability thing. I think I'm, I'm making it like I'm making a decision before I'm at the restaurant. And tempted. Ho- yeah. And holding the wine list or whatever. I'm making a decision of what I'm going to do. And then I'm kind of stating that. Um, with dates, I've not really, like outside of me making my choices as far as like who I'm going out with, I've not shared that information as much. Um, what does your profile say? What category are you? I put socially. Cause I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, I, I do have friends who are alcoholics. Like I know people who are alcoholics and it feels inauthentic for me to say that I never drink because I absolutely do but the choice isn't isn't like the choice that isn't there that's like I kind of drink kind of don't sober curious <laughs> mindful drinking is not an option yeah that's yet. not an option it's either never socially bumble. or yes bumble if you're listening is it bumble <laughs> I don't even know bumble tinder whoever it is like if you're listening maybe make a difference there that would I think that's something that might help change our culture right yeah um I think I have shared it on occasion like depending on like what as like date planning goes, um, like I'll definitely do things like suggest something other than meeting for drinks. If it's something that I'm like not want, like if I'm, you know, obviously if I don't want to drink, I'm not going to suggest that we meet for a drink. I'm going to suggest that, you know, we might grab a bite is something that I've said in lieu of meet for a drink, like grab a bite, which doesn't necessarily, um, indicate full meal. Like that's not saying let's have dinner, but you know, I'm saying like, let's grab an appetizer kind of thing like and then it's not yeah that's something I've done but often yeah most of the times I just kind of show up and order a diet coke 
do you, are there any other go-to phrases that you've had to kind of, I love what you just said there in terms of go for a bite. Um, any other go-to phrases or things you've said or to navigate those conversations? Have you had any pushback? I mean, I, I can't really think of like a specific, I mean, I'm sure I've had pushback. And what's funny is it's, it's typically, it's like come from family more than anything. Um, but I guess, I mean, it, I guess it's not strange that it, it came from family. Like I think family of all people are the ones that think that they know you the best and have spent so much time with you. So if. And you're also their mirror. Yeah. Their most, yeah. Their most uh, profound and triggering mirror. Yeah. I mean, I would say having like having a few lines in your pop in like your back pocket is always helpful. So um, like if somebody pushes back, there's you know the easy one is I'm just on some antibiotics, right? Like mm. for whatever. I mean, you might. I did get caught called out once being like somebody like they were just kind of like an, a, a like a more like a funny, open, like just kind of like one of those people. Um they're like, for what? And I was like, I have no idea. Like, I don't even know what I t- what you take antibiotics for. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> an earache? I don't know. What do you, what, yep. I don't know. Um, but like saying something like, oh, I have I have antibiotics or like, uh, or I'm on antibiotics or I've, I've got a really big, like whatever, really big day tomorrow. That sounds very cliche, but like I've got something first thing in the morning. Like I, I want to get to my whatever yoga class or Pilates class in the morning, like some, like something like that. Just having a few things that you can just say so that people will back off. And mm. I think a little, a tiny little lie there, it's fully justifiable. Mm. Until I'm going to like pull on this a little bit because one of the things we talked about is being an intention for this podcast is like hopefully starting to change the culture and helping people feel like they're not alone in this. And so, um, I mean, that's part of what we're doing with this podcast, right, is helping people feel less alone. So I hope that we get to the point where we don't have to lie about those things. Yeah, and I mean, I think of that very much comes from, like, when when you become more comfortable. So, like, for me, like what I said with about, like, the dating, I mean, I have history with my friends and my family. So, and like I say, like, those are the people who know you the best and, like, kind of, are already used to your pattern. So there's definitely like, there had been friends where like when we went out, we, it was always like ordering wine. Um, and so I would, I'm, I would be more, I, I would feel more the need to have like something to say in those situations. Whereas dates, like I, I don't know these people anything. I don't care if they think that I should or should not drink like that is their problem to deal with. So um, that, I think that's also why when you ask like, do I, let them know in advance is there some sort of a game plan where I, I kind of like tell them in advance that I'm not going to drink and for dates I, n- I didn't ever really do that outside of like maybe just like making sure the circumstance wasn't like we were just going to meet at a bar for a drink um because I don't I don't owe that to anybody so I, I felt a lot more comfortable just showing up and they order whatever they want and I ordered a diet coke and then that's just it you know like they might say like oh you know like they might make some kind of a comment and I would just say oh I just don't I don't want to drink right now um and you know I never got pushback on that in like in that circumstance and on a date like nobody ever said oh you should absolutely have a drink they sometimes they would kind of regret their own choice they'd be like oh like if I'd known I wouldn't have ordered 
and so that like that again that's their own bag yeah. to deal with yeah well, I was gonna say, but that's probably like the even further back evolution of that is like people don't even ask because it's so normalized that not everybody drinks at every single occasion not everybody drinks at every single event not everybody drinks at every single date and therefore we don't need to ask that question we just it just is it's just normalized mm-hmm. what things do you think are more fun without alcohol You're on mute. I'm going to ask that question again. Relations. <laughs> okay. Okay. Even better. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, other things. I mean, I have more fun and like better conversations with my friends. I feel like my friendships have deepened now that I'm not like I – because I found what I found is now that I don't drink as often when I'm not drinking, my friends will also choose to not drink. So, for instance, last night I went out for dinner with three friends and we two of us just ordered our like a Diet Coke or a Coke. Diet Coke is now my drink. Um, and one of the one of the friends said like, oh, or is, is anybody drinking? I guess our, our beverages hadn't arrived yet, but they weren't there when we ordered. And so they had said you know, like, oh, are we drinking? Is anybody drinking? Like, they were checking to see if anybody was drinking that night. And so whether or not they wanted to make that decision. And when we, the two of us said, oh, no, we've ordered, like, pop or soda. Um, But it had said, you know, obviously order whatever you want. And they were kind of like, nah, don't need to. So now I'm finding that um, if I go out with friends and I've chosen not to drink, then a lot of the times they will also mirror that choice. And then we will have really great conversations um and like the same thing like the same reasons why i like not drinking on dates because now you know every word that we say we mean and it has a purpose for the most part and and nobody regrets anything that they say um yeah we're just able to have a deeper connection and more meaningful conversations with each other so i think all social outings are now more enjoyable not drinking i mean don't get me wrong i still every once in a while will have a nice wine night and gripe and groan and and do like the what is it the what is the thing that the like it used to be like nights like bitch and stitch where you would you would get together with your girlfriends you complain about all kinds of things you do a craft and also drink and i'm sure that there was a phrase like that but basically just for wine and wine and bitching wine and whatever um so I will still have a wine night with my girlfriends, um, a wine night with my sister on occasion, but it's a very, it's, that's a very different, it's a different experience. It's about like blowing some steam off, like getting all your gripes out. Like, again, we're not solving any problems. We're not looking to like build anything. We're not anything. texting the problem. We're not texting the problem. We're not looking <laughs> to build anything. Like I'm not trying to build my relationship with people when I'm going to go out and have a big wine night. Like I do think that there is like it. I remember I used to feel closer to friends when we would go and get drunk and do embarrassing things. And it was kind of like, well, you did this embarrassing thing and you've seen me do this embarrassing thing. And it was almost like a blackmail kind of situation. Like we are close because we've seen each other do like we, we hold each other's secrets. And now 
like I don't I don't now feel you're close now we're close because really we've shared each other's yeah in a yeah way. yeah yeah and we and oh. we and we choose instead of it being like we've done embarrassing things like we choose to share the things that we're vulnerable about Ooh, that's so powerful okay last couple questions for you how we talk a lot about alcohol helping us cope in certain situations whether it's nerves um anxiety social lubrication numbing to what's out, everything else that's going on in life helping us be less awkward on the dance floor whatever that is how are you coping with life without alcohol like what are you doing because life didn't suddenly and especially the like you didn't just get easier it's not like you didn't have stuff to numb from it's not like you didn't have hard situations to not be nervous from like how how are you coping with those things without alcohol what new tools or practices or like mantras what what are you doing to to navigate it so well and so gracefully i mean i think that's very generous of you to say that i'm navigating it well and gracefully um it's not (laughs) as someone who's watched you and known you for a long time you've had you've gone through so much I'm, i'm so sorry you've gone through so much and you've handled it unbelievably graciously and Aww. yeah like you're so much strength and presence and love and growth you've you've dealt and shown up with that's very kind of you thank you um you know i so during when things were a little bit more difficult like in 2021 and 2020 uh I, I had a counselor. I was, I was, I was in therapy, um, talk therapy, and that was really useful. I mean, I engaged in that, not, not necessarily because of the, the change in how I wanted to consume alcohol more to help me navigate through those two very big life issues. Uh, three, it's, it's funny perspective, pandemic felt like the least of my problems so those three very large life issues um being the divorce my mom's health and and my biz potential business ruin um and so that was really helpful being able to process all of all of what was going on in a very present way because i did find that like one of the things that booze helped with was when you would have a drinking night, like your body and your mind would process things unconsciously and getting tipsy or getting drunk would allow your brain to kind of like do that without your, your like conscious, like conscious brain, like getting in the way, like something happened, your brain was able to kind of like process some things. Um, kind of like the way, you know, when you're in the shower, you, you think about things because your, your brain's distracted. So, like, that sort of happened. Um, so it was nice to be able to process things um, with somebody and move through those things. Whereas if I hadn't had that, I probably would have turned turned to drinking, like, more frequently um, because it, it was just difficult. And I, and, and I felt like I needed a mechanism. And, like, for me, talk therapy was, was that mechanism, whereas you know, having a wine night might have been that mechanism before. Um, like having having new, new um, like a new reward system also I found really helpful. Ooh, tell me about this. Well, so much, like 
I found like at, at like come five o'clock if I've if I've made it through the day, like a work day plus life day, come five o'clock when it's socially acceptable. It was like great, good job, Meredith. Here you go. Like now you can have this big old glass of wine. Um, so finding something else to to reward myself with just for existing. What do you um, do? How do you reward yourself? So I live in the West End of Vancouver. So it's this really beautiful neighborhood. I'm about three blocks from the beach. And there's a bunch of different parks, a bunch of several beaches. And so at the end of the day, I would take my blanket and I would take my dog and I would go and lay out on the grass in the sunshine and just hang out with my dog and have a snack. That was something that I did. I was trying to, I, I, at one point I put in my calendar to do that every day, every like weekday. Um, and so I was doing that. And then there's just like a mood boost that happens from like being outdoors, particularly if it's sunny. And then also like, I, you know, pets kind of just bring a lot of joy into your life. So just like hanging out with my dog um, was really great. And then it almost like pushed, I could push through that kind of hour where like the desire to reward myself with wine would kind of just like, I'd be able to push through that. And then I'd come home and make dinner and be good. Well, it sounds like you might remember this from our mastermind and the power <laughs> of habits. Um, the, the habit cycle is like, what are you craving? And if you were craving you, so it's uh you, your mind gets a craving and then you take action and then you get the reward afterwards. And so if you can understand what is the reward you're looking for and not in the sense of like, I'm looking for the wine specifically, but I'm looking for the calming or the connection or the, um, escape from life or whatever that is. If you can figure out what the reward is, then you can work backwards and say, what's another action that will allow me to feel that way. So it sounds like you gave yourself that. And that's so awesome. Um, Charles Duhigg and, uh, um, James Clear from Atomic Habits, they'd be so proud of you right now. <laughs> Rewiring that. Because, yeah, even like the time of day is such an interesting thing, right? Because there's something, there's probably so many little micro habits built into that like five o'clock time. Yeah. Like you turn off your computer and the sun's in a certain place in the sky and like it's kind of too early for dinner. And so I love like you really hacked that really well clearly and thought about like what was the reward I was, I'm looking, maybe you did it unconsciously. Or, or consciously, but like, what is the word that I was looking for? And then created a new habit in that place, mm-hmm. which is so awesome. It's great. Yeah. I didn't, re- I did not do that consciously, but I'll take the credit. Thanks. <laughs> um, I did find also like the swap. So, cause I had tried a lot of different things to swap out. So like flavored water. And like, I, like I said, the, the booze, witch that was like the first one that actually worked. Cause I, like, I actually really like the taste of alcohol. Like I like things to taste strong. Mm. And I found that that like shrubs, um, with some soda water, like like a mocktail, like mimicked that. And so first it was taste, and and that was that worked. Cause I, I found like just straight soda water, like bubbly water in a wine glass, definitely didn't work for me. Um, and then I found it like, and and we can t- we have a mutual friend Danielle who will absolutely hate this, um, but sugar was a like a really big part, like specifically because I drank a lot of wine, like sugar was a really big thing and so now like I drink Diet Coke quite a bit now and so um just a swap so say like five six o'clock when I want a glass of wine I'll just I'll pour Diet Coke um which also not super healthy but I think like in the like the gradients or like you know what's what's worse I'm I'm willing to accept this one 
Um, but now I'll have, I'll have Diet Coke and, and like I find like the sugar was something that my body was really craving. Um, oh, yeah. Danielle's going to want to talk to you about yeah, this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And we're going to see her real soon. Any moment. I think she's downstairs <laughs> I think, as we're here. <laughs> no. <laughs> watch, her, watch her walk in here. Well, you know what? She, you know what, though? I look forward to her letting me know what would be an acceptable swap for Diet Coke now. Oh, amazing. Like, like what? Like, yeah. I'm sure she will tell us. I'm well, sure. We'll have to pop into the show notes or do a little video <laughs> of that. Um, so what are your favorite alcohol alternatives? So, um, like, as I say, I love I, like, I love mixing a mocktail with, with shrubs and, and bitters. I found was, like, a really key ingredient in making a mocktail taste more like a cocktail. Um. I just found a non-alcoholic beer, which is actually really delicious. Um, What's it called? It's Corona Sunbrew. And I think part of it is that Coronas lack a lot of taste anyway. Like a regular Corona lacks a lot of taste. There's a specific, like if you've had a Corona, you know what Corona tastes like. It's, It's beer. It's definitely beer, but it's not like a really great microbrew or, you know, anything else. But it, it's a Corona. Um and so they've made a non-alcoholic version and not even a low alcohol. So a lot of those like non-alcoholic beers are like 0.5. So there's still a little bit of alcohol. This is a 0.0, like truly non-alcoholic. Tastes like Corona. Tastes like full strength Corona. Put a lime in there. Great summertime. Where do you buy this? Costco. <gasps> Our Costco? Uh, I found it at the new Col- new Costco in Kelowna. So if you've been to, if you spent time in Kelowna, the latest news is that we have a new Costco. This is where I grew up. I went there. I found a case of Corona Sunbrew there. I have not checked our local Costcos, but you could check a Facebook group. There's lots of Costco Facebook groups that will let you know if it's there. Maybe I'll post it in a Facebook group and see <laughs> if we have if we have it in our local ones. Okay, so anybody listening, if you want to know if your Costco has it, go find the Costco Costco group for your neighborhood or your your province or your state or whatever, because they're they're everywhere. As Meredith showed me before this episode, <laughs> um, you also invested in some oh yeah alcohol alternative alternative companies. Tell me about these. Yeah, so they're, I mean, the colloquial term, like, pot drinks are are really big now. Um, I think one thing that, like, newer generations have gotten is, like, they don't rely on booze the way our generation has. Um, and so just, like, you know, I think every generation is getting a little bit better. Like, I, I don't, well, your parents weren't this way, we discussed. But, um, like, I remember growing up, and not, not necessarily my parents, but... Friends, parents, they're like drinking and driving was not the thing it is now. Like I, I, I remember being in cars with um, like parents that were like they might have like like the dad might have like a beer like open in the vehicle when we were kids. Um, I remember like as a teenager with driver's license, I remember like a lot more people, a lot more like teenagers drinking and driving. I remember it like just being a kind of like a thing like you knew you weren't supposed to do it not everybody did it but there was just some people who for some reason did it and kind of got away with it um and i think generations now like the like oh sounds so old the younger kids um like they they don't like they just take it more seriously they definitely don't 
don't drink it. I mean, the laws have changed as well. Like when I was, when I got my driver's license at 16, like I was immediately able to have whatever it is, 0.07. Like that would have been fine. Like I, like, I mean, it was illegal for me to drink, but. Um, you weren't going to lose your license. I wasn't going to lose my driver's D- license. Yeah, get a DUI about it. Yeah. Yeah. If it was under 0.07. Now, and that for some time now, it's been no tolerance, like 0.00. Like you can't have had a single drink um, when you first get your driver's license until we get to that second stage driver's license, whatever it is. Um, so the laws have changed. I think culturally, socially, it's changed for for younger generations, but pot drinks are becoming more and more um, popular. And like since pot was legalized, since marijuana was legalized, and then they've slowly moved to legalize more different marijuana in different products. So I think first it was just um, like being able to smoke it. And now certain beverages and edibles are like in different like I think they're like well there obviously there's of, yeah there's yeah. oil like there's just different products now, um, and so I've invested in a cannabis beverage company and so they make beverages with um, like the active THC ingredient as well as the CBD which is the one that doesn't get you high, and then they also make beverages that are just have like flower essences just like or like like natural. Um, ingredients so nothing to do with cannabis but like um, they might make like a drink with lavender for like it's calming effects or like lavender and chamomile for its calming effects and like those beverages that have like guarana for their like energy um, effects so other like plants other just other plants and botanicals Um, so they just yeah beverages that have botanicals and and plant-derived ingredients for specific like like functional medicine for specific benefits amazing what are the names of the company where where are the drinks uh links in the show notes too sure the the one that i've invested in they're called their their cannabis line is called state b and i think the non-cannabis line is called elevate and that just has other plant botanicals Cool. Okay. And they're available locally in British Columbia. Just happened, I think, this year. Where are they available? Like, where would you buy that? So the state be the the cannabis line would be at uh, your dispensaries. Okay. Um, and Elevate, which is the non-cannabis line and is plant botanicals, will be in grocery stores. Oh, amazing. Okay, cool. I'll put links to those in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, today we are also enjoying Soul Brew, which is uh, a local uh, business, which is delicious. And we're having the Restore flavor today. And they also do like different um, – they are about mushrooms. So today yeah, they're we're doing the reishi. They're a functional – like, that That would be an example of a functional beverage, functional okay. medicine beverage. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, you've also introduced me to Lumet. Not functional, right? That's kind of more of just, like, a substitute. Yeah, I think that's just, like, a, like a, it's the non-alcoholic gin. Um, it's delicious. But, yeah, yeah not, not functional, but still delicious. We'll put links to all these in the show notes if you're looking for some inspiration. Um, and uh, maybe I'll throw in one of my favorite recipes in there, too. Do you have a favorite recipe we could throw in, Meredith? Mmm... No, I don't think so. Diet Coke. Di- just Diet Coke. <laughs> just Diet Coke. <laughs> Diet Coke with ice in a nice cold glass. And a lime? Do you do the lime? No, no lime. No lime. Okay. All right. Well, there's Meredith's recipe. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it simple. Okay. I asked you a question and we didn't get the answer. It's going to be the last question though on this topic, oh, which okay. is, what did you ask me for? 
today. Oh, because <laughs> we were talking about like fun things to do how without I, alcohol. I mean, you directly asked my question. Now I want to know how I managed to avoid answering it. Um, yeah, so I came over, and because you have a small child, I I have a date coming up, and I'm I was finding it that it without like without if unless you're drinking that just like going somewhere for for dinner um i don't find it super conducive to like good conversation it's it's it, there's higher pressure um to have like to start the conversation and, and and keep that conversation going i feel like you need like you need an activity and for so much of my experience and i think for so many people that activity has always been drinking and it's not just like the getting tipsy that like helps to like allow conversation to flow but it is like the actions the like having something in your hand the like carrying something around um you've got something to kind of like toy with your hands so i asked you for a puzzle so that i could have this well on this date we could do a puzzle not with a goal to finish it just have something to do with our hands something to like distract our minds so that you can have a more fluid conversation that feels natural that doesn't feel like super forced like you know what is your net what's your five-year plan <laughs> you know it's not, it's, that's an, it's not an interview you're just supposed to be you know having fun with another person and so I, yeah i love that that's such, it was such a i mean first of all good luck we give we gave meredith our frozen two holographic puzzle which is much more challenging than it sounds um but uh so good luck but also Thanks. i just love it because it's such a great example of looking at you could have very easily been like well you know maybe this person just i need alcohol to have a good time here right it's very easy to default mm-hmm. back into those old habits right but instead you're like oh like what would a different activity look like just something to like you you're talking about habits again here like what what do we have in our hands what do we have that's kind of just something else and it's something that we're doing together too because i think alcohol becomes a very social thing and that you enjoy together like how do you like this wine how is that beer should i try this one what was that cocktail like it becomes like a it's more than just about the alcohol it's also about the experience and so i love that you just shared you know puzzles a great example of that that's interactive and allows for that shared experience and just that, like, a little bit of a social lubricant without being alcohol. So mm-hmm. I think that's really great. Plus, I, I want to hear how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anything, it will also be a conversation starter. Because I'm going to have to explain why I ended up with a holographic frozen puzzle of, them. of all of the, you know, puzzles that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be cute. I'm really excited to hear. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So last couple questions here. These are our Golden Girls rapid fire questions. So just come. Meredith has no idea what I'm going to ask her. These are the fir- just the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask you these questions. Um, so what is a quote that you live by? Money always comes. Ooh. If you could travel anywhere in the world right now for food, what would you eat and where would you go? Oh, wow. Okay. First thing that crossed my mind was underpass ceviche uh, in Mexico, which if you have not had Rotondo, or sorry, it's not Rotondo, it's Returno. Returno ceviche, which the Returno is like the the Spanish word that, or the word they use in Mexico for an underpass because you basically do a U-turn. It's a place you can do a U-turn and get back on the highway. Um, they set up a, like locals will come and set up a big table with a wooden top, which is their like cutting board. 
and then tables and chairs, and they will bring fresh seafood and just start making ceviche in the underpass for you. It's amazing. I mean, it's a risk. If you've got a strong stomach and you don't you don't have like a travel stomach problem, which I don't, uh, that was the first thing that came to mind. And I had that in San Jose del Cabo. Sounds amazing. Oh, so good. Um, okay, what's a goal that you're currently working on? Uh, well, we talked about this actually yesterday, but, uh, enjoying the month of August, like just bringing more joy into my, into my August. What is something that you've changed your mind about? Everything. Um, drinking. (laughs) Uh, I changed my mind. Oh, you know what? I changed my mind about Machine Gun Kelly. I recently realized that I enjoy Machine Gun Kelly. Um, I changed my mind. Ooh. Most recently. Um, hmm. I think, honestly, I think actually Machine Gun Kelly, changing my mind about Machine Gun Kelly was kind of a big one. I really didn't see that one coming. Does that have to be the next podcast? <laughs> <laughs> After changing your mind about wine culture? <laughs> um, what's the best lesson you've learned in the last year? In the last year, like, okay, I'm going to be dive into semantics here. Do you mean 12 months or, like, in, in 2022? Whatever you – whatever is the better lesson that you think is better to share. Or was more – not better to share. What was more profound for you? Uh, this might take a second. A lesson in the last year. Mm, I mean, I feel like this is a lesson that I've had to learn again and again and again, but um, rest is necessary. I think I really needed to hear that today. Thank you. That's a good one. (laughs) Okay, last question. Um, No, I lied. Two more questions. Okay. Um, Poutine. Yeah. Cheese curds or shredded cheese? Curds. That's absolute sacrilege. uh, Yeah, I know. I know. There's, I know, some guests we've had to have a talk no. about. No. Yeah, I know. Give, give me names. I know. <laughs> tell tell me their coming. names. <laughs> if we're going to go out there changing minds, tell me their names. Oh, yes. Yes, we need to change our minds. That's so true. Um, okay, what's the best money you've ever spent? What you, would you buy? Happiest, happiest money you've spent. Happiest money I've spent. I mean, I recently purchased a... Uh, leather jacket that was a lot of money uh, and also not like a style that might be um, considered classic. But though it, it has endured many, many decades. There's a fringe to like a, a tassel fringe kind of thing on this leather jacket. And I saw it, wanted it immediately, thought about it for months Um had planned a trip to to Europe and so not Italy which is known for leather but actually Portugal also is known for their leather goods so then I put a pin on buying that because uh, I thought oh I'll go to Portugal and see what like you know because it was from a, like a, a brand like a North like well it's a British brand but it doesn't matter um, like a, a well-known like retail brand chain brand and I thought okay well maybe I'll go to Portugal and find something really unique sorry unique there's no really unique again semantics um something unique and maybe more like more like 
slower fashion kind of thing. Um, and I contemplated because I was going to be in Europe uh, and the UK, I thought about going thrifting there and seeing like, maybe I'll get something secondhand. And then I got off the plane, got on a bus, got downtown to the town where I was in Glasgow, got out, like got out in downtown Glasgow, um, met my friend that I was meeting there, turned around the corner and there was the store with the jacket that I had been eyeing. There was like, I just walked around the corner and the store was there. The storefront was there. And so uh, with my suitcase fresh off of an overnight flight, I walked into that store and I bought that jacket. Um, And that is the happiest money I've spent recently. So cool. I can't wait to see the jacket. It sounds beautiful. You're going to see a lot of it. (laughs) As soon as this weather cools down and I can wear a leather jacket out, I'm going to be wearing that a lot. I love it. I can't wait to see it. Meredith, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having this conversation. Thank you for, you know, I, you, I've just gotten to, it's, I feel so honored to get to see, you know, your strength, your courage, everything you've been through in the last couple of years. Um, and I know you've made me a better person for that. And I know your Sober Curious journey has definitely brought me deeper into mine. So I appreciate that so much. Um, and I really appreciate you being willing to share this with everybody listening and hopefully start to change that culture. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing on all the things from frozen puzzles to relations <laughs> and everything in between. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I'll have you back again soon. Thank you. I hope so. Look forward to it. Okay. I think we all get it. Alcohol is deeply intertwined in our culture, in our habits, from the workplace to parenting to dating, special occasions, and more. Meredith and I were, perhaps are, depending on what app you ask, (laughs) social drinkers who explore sober curious life. And we hope that you've learned some of the reasons why and feel like you can just have as much fun and way less hangovers and regrets by also becoming sober curious. As I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I really want to reiterate and acknowledge humbly that I'm not a professional in addictions and the intention here is not to downplay any of the severity or complexity of addiction. Um, we want to help bring awareness to continue to bring accessible treatment options for everybody. And so if you're looking for resources on addiction, there are some in the show notes. Please use them and please get the support that you need. I want to thank Meredith again for opening up so vulnerably on such a sensitive topic. I mean, a lot of them, everything from alcohol to relations, if you will. And I want to thank you for listening with an open mind. If there's someone else in your life, your workplace, your business or social circle, a friend who needs to hear this, please share it with them. I'm shocked. Every time I mention the idea of drinking less and being more mindful with alcohol, so many people are interested or exploring this as well, but don't know where to start and don't really want to be the first one. Honestly, I posted a picture of Meredith and I right before we hit record, and I had so many Instagram DMs saying, can't wait to hear it. So excited to listen. So I just want you to know, you know, first of all, you're not alone. And second of all, share this with somebody else, because I bet you if you share this in your Instagram story, which obviously is great for us, even better for you, I bet you there'll be people that will reach out to you as well and want to know more. Um, so I invite you to share, share the episode, uh, invite them to join you, invite them to join us so that we're not alone in this journey of changing our own relationship with alcohol, changing the way that we mindfully drink, um, and then ultimately changing our culture around us as well. 
So my friend, whether you choose to socially drink or go sober curious or full sober, I encourage you to do that mindfully and intentionally as you would with anything else in your life. Either way, I hope that this episode and you listening in, that you've expanded your consciousness around alcohol and our culture. And I hope this really does start to shift the wider culture and environment we're all in. My intention is is three things. It's that we allow everyone to have meaningful and accessible support that they need for addictions, for everyone to be able to choose to be sober or sober curious without stigma, and also that we are all as mindful with what we drink as we are with all aspects of our lives. Don't forget, you are a leader. I invite you to be the change and to you lead this in your own life, your social circle, your work environment, and beyond. So here I'm off. I'm signing off this episode with a sober, alcohol-free, delicious cocktail from Soul Brew and a giant cheers to you. Thanks again for being here. Thank you so much for listening. If something spoke to you, send me a message by sharing this episode and tagging me on social media. If you know someone who would love to hear this episode, please share it with them too. Because I love surprises, make sure you subscribe to the Golden Girls podcast today. It's the only way to find out about bonus surprise episodes and make sure you don't miss a single beat on your golden journey. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you in the next episode of the Golden Girls podcast.